Welcome back to the Pastor and Son podcast. This is the first of a two-part episode in which Pastor Patience and I discuss salvation, sin and forgiveness. We begin by looking at salvation and what it actually means to be saved. We then discuss the meaning of sin, what God's view of sin is and whether God punishes people for sin today. This is a very interesting discussion and I believe it will help you to live conscious of the way God sees things rather than living sin conscious. I hope you enjoy this episode and I look forward to sharing part two. You hear Christians a lot talk about being saved mm. or you need to be saved, you need to be born again. Right, yeah. But I don't think, certainly not all Christians actually know what those terms mean and they may not even actually be saved or born again. So can we start by defining them? Right. Uh, are they the same? What do they mean? What does it mean to be saved? Right, we know the word saved means that you are actually being uh, delivered or some bad thing you are being taken away from. That thing is not going to happen to you. We know that. And the Bible says in um, John 3, uh, 14 to 17, if we look at John, you will see that it says, John chapter 3 and then verse 14 onwards. It says, as, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whoever believes in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'll stop there. Now, um, it doesn't take, you don't need to be a PhD, doctorate, and have all sorts of qualifications to notice the state of the world, the state of man. It, it's obvious. We know something is inherently wrong in man and in the decisions that he or she takes. I'm talking, when I say man, I, re, I am referring to male and female, everyone. And the Bible tells us that all have sinned. We know the story of Adam and Eve and the fact that they sinned and therefore brought sin into the world. Now, sin, um, the sin coming into the world, you could look at it like this. It's as if our very first parents had this condition, some infection, some disease, if you like, which was passed on from then on. Every human was infected with the exact same thing, which is sin. So how, what's God going to do about that? Is he going to say, well... Um, that's just too bad. They've made this choice. They've chosen uh, the enemy over me. I'll just let them, let the enemy have them. No, we've just read what God said. He loved the world. He loved us so much because we came out of him. Every person came out of the heart of God. So because he loved us so much, he could not let us go. But at the same time, he could not violate our free will. The free will being that Adam and Eve chose to believe the devil instead of God and gave their birthright over to the devil. And so he became the God of this world. And so now they're under him, whether they like it or not. In fact, they had been pushed down the, the hierarchy of beings. You know, you have God, then you would have man, and then you would have angels, and then you would have animals, and then plant kingdom. But instead, we now had God, and then in between, the enemy had inserted himself. Therefore, man had been pushed below angels and was now barely above animal. <laughs> that was the state. Now, God did something by sending his son in the likeness of man, because man was the only uh, creation with authority on earth. The, this realm was given to man. So man has authority. And so man is the person that, you know, God's got to work through to save mankind. And man was no longer capable because they, have be they had become corrupt. 
and perverted and, you know, completely um, separated even from God. This is why Jesus came in the likeness of man, the only man who did not sin, who carried out the Father's will to the end in order to save man from the consequence of sin. The worst consequence being eternal separation from God. See, we talk about heaven and hell and, you know, damnation and so on. Really, it's a separation from God. And every other sin comes under this category. It's all under the the big one, which is a rejection of God and of Jesus. And so um, this is what I'm I'm talking about, what's... uh, Salvation, salvation being is saved. being yeah. saved is so. I hope I've not veered off too too far. I'm saying all of this just to give an understanding and a background to why it is we even need to be saved. So this is what you're being saved from. And you know, I could go on into the more practical aspects, such as healing, prospering, having peace being mentally sound and so on. These all come under the benefits of God, which are rejected when you decide that you will do it your way and or you will follow the enemy because that's what the enemy wants. Okay, so you're being saved from all of the, all the consequences of sin. Death is one thing that you're saved from because, you know, when a Christian dies, we are well aware that they just leave their body and they go to heaven. And heaven is actually a holding tank, if you like, or a hotel, because eventually we're coming back on the earth. But that will be for another day, another topic, another day. But you're saved from all of these things, destruction, chaos, pain, trauma, you know, sickness, horrible things, dying prematurely, suffering. We've see, we see suffering in this world, even little children being subjected to horrific things. Why? That's not God's will. This is what he's trying to save us from. Mm. And, you know, if you have to be insane to say, no, no, I reject that. I, I, le- I like the things happening as they are. I like me making my own decisions. We've seen wars and all sorts of things. Why did they happen? Man made a choice. Everything that's happened on earth is not God's fault. Everybody says, oh, well, why, why didn't God intervene? There's people suffering in Africa, people suffering in India, people suffering in Asia. And, it, well, it's all over the world. Because man made these choices. You, you don't even have to look in the Bible to find that out. You can listen to the news, today's news, and you will know immediately that somebody made a choice and that caused pain death and destruction to thousands or millions of people. It's happened time and time again since history began. We know this and we can pretend all we like. The fact is something is wrong with man and until that something is dealt with by being completely born again of a different spirit, then it continues. So that is what I'll say. I I think I've answered both of them, what Mm -hmm. salvation is just on a base level and um, why we need to be saved. Mm. Yeah. So the being saved part, you've kind of emphasized the being saved from something first. And fundamentally, that's the sinful nature, that infection you talked about that we inherited from Adam who sinned. That's the idea of original sin, is that he sinned when he disobeyed God and all human beings through that have received that nature of sin. And we need to be saved from that. And so, yeah, I think being saved as well also has the aspect of being saved for something or into something. That's right. I think that's the born again aspect of it. Yes, because you are saved from something. But you're not just left hanging there. You're saved into something. It's like, I don't know if you remember the story of uh, Mephibosheth in the Old Testament. I think it's in Kings. Uh, perhaps it's First Kings. And, um, well, in that story, Mephibosheth is the son, uh, the grandson of Saul. 
Now Saul had rejected God at some point. He had lost the kingship. He had lost everything. Eventually he was killed and most of his family was killed. Most of his sons. This uh, boy at the time, he was a a boy, five-year-old boy, was saved by his nanny who took him and ran and in the process he fell and he became a cripple. So now imagine this, that this uh, kid is crippled, he's perhaps being hunted, He there's no future for him and he's hiding in a place called Lodiba. He, he manages to, you know, he grows up there. David has now become king and David remembers his pact with Jonathan and he says, is there no one? left in Saul's house for the sake of Jonathan, that I may see him and do good to him. And so somebody said, well, yes, there is. There's this boy. He's Jonathan's son. Uh, He's a cripple. Now, back then, if you're a cripple, you were not even permitted to be in certain places. You know, it was an infirmity or something that was not right. But David sent for this by this time, Mephibosheth just is a man, sends for him. And he comes and he falls down in front of David and he says, who am I, a dead dog? But David says to him, from today onwards, you shall be amongst those who eat at my table. Mephibosheth goes from no hope, no future, crippled, complete a throwaway to the king's table forever as long as he lives he will eat at the king's table as one of the king's sons and that is a picture of what god is saving us to instead of the struggle the hopelessness the pain the confusion he says you i shall bring you to my table psalm 23 if you read Psalm 23, you will find out how he says, I will set a table before you. You're now the king's son or the king's daughter. And so you this is what you're saved into. And every benefit that he has in his kingdom belongs to you now. Yeah. And I think that beautiful picture of God mm. and how a lot of people view God, the way Mephibosheth viewed David in that he thought he was out to get him. Yes. And in fact, he was looking for him to bless him. That's right. And so God is looking at all of mankind, wanting them to be saved, blessed. Being saved is for our benefit. That's right. Jesus died for our benefit. Yes. And so it's about God loving mankind that's sending right. his sons for them, chasing um, to bring them into his to family. To bring them into the family. And yeah, so this, but this brings us to the next kind of question, if you like, regarding to salvation, right. which is how do you receive it then? If God has it for you, how do we receive it? It's or actually very simple. How are you saved? You are saved by believing on Jesus. Now, let me just read. Um, in John 3, 16, where we said, God so loved the world that he gave. Now in 17, verse 17, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. This is what many people don't understand. They are afraid of God. They think he's condemning them. They know there's something wrong about them. They know they're sinning or whatever it is they're doing. They think God's out to get them. So they, they're afraid. But there's another scripture that says our minds, in our minds, we're alienated from God. So it's in our own thinking. But look here. He says, but that through that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 17. And then he goes on to say, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In other words, all you have to do is believe in the name of Jesus. Believe that he has come to pay for your sin, that he paid the price in full, that you can receive 
this salvation it's free it's completely free you don't have to work for it you don't have to drum it up you don't have to think how am i going to do it it's done for you all you have to do is accept accept it and you know I, there was another one romans 10 13 it says whoever shall call on the name of jesus shall be saved not might be saved, or maybe I'll think about whether you're getting saved or not. No, if you call on him, genuinely, you say, I, I'm just about at the end of my tether. I've had enough. I cannot help myself. I cannot save myself. I need help from outside of me. Something else. And you acknowledge that there is a being who created everything. And if I can appeal to this being, if I can get him on my side, you call on him and you discover he's already on your side. He was already looking for you. He was already planning for you to be in his family. And he only has good to do to you. It's the too good to be true news. Unfortunately, many, many churches have preached a gospel of hell and damnation. Now, hell and damnation exist. I'm not saying it's not true. It is true. But the gospel means good news. We are meant to tell people that instead of hell, you don't have to go there. You don't have to have anything to do with any hellish thing. You can turn away from that and say, I want the good things of God. I want God. I want what he has for me in his kingdom. I want to be a part of that. I want to be my full potential, my true identity. I want goodness mercy, grace, love. These are the things that are waiting for you. Who in their right minds rejects that and says, I want darkness, chaos, pain, doom, eternal damnation. Because when you make that choice, this is what you're choosing. And don't let anybody be fooled that God is out to get you. It's not true. The enemy tells you that because he wants you to follow him instead. Yeah, I think one thing that does, you know, maybe put people off in a sense is that you do have to humble yourself to be saved. You, you do. have to acknowledge that you have an issue. Yes. And a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people refuse to acknowledge. Now, I'll tell you what, I remember when I was about nine years old, I was between eight and nine. It was really the first time I realized something was actually wrong with me. Mm. And it was not because I'd done anything particularly bad. I was just your average little girl. But then the knowledge came to me that something intrinsically wrong with me, and not just with me, I saw it in other human beings. And it was the first time I realized we need to be saved. I didn't have the vocabulary for it, but I knew. And I remember trying to pray and trying to ask God, are you there? I would look into the sky and talk to God and say, something has to be done. <laughs> and I was a child and I was aware of this. Now, of course, I pushed it away and sort of grew up not thinking about it or trying not to think about it anymore. But this is what I always say. Every human being has that in them. Because you see, when you came out of God, he left something in you so that you would know. So everybody actually deep inside, they know when they lie down at night and it's so completely quiet. If they get completely quiet, they will hear the call of God. And that's what's drawing you towards him because you realize there's something. But because of the misconceptions about God, people don't want to do that. They're afraid of him. I mean, when I got saved, I was at the point I was afraid of God because I thought I had all sorts of things. I mean, there was one particular uh, book I read and I wish I'd never read it because it talked about somebody who dived off something, broke their neck, and they attributed all of that to God. And I got very frightened. I said, God, pretend I have not heard about you. I don't know anything about you. Let's just leave it at that because I don't want you breaking my neck. And of course, it was nothing to do with God at all. This is what happened and people are put off. But God is a good God. He is good to us. In fact, the fact that you're surviving, maybe you haven't even received him, but he's 
there looking after you, taking care of you, making sure the sun is shining on you, that you got the rain for the food, you're still able to work. It's God mm. because he is that good. Mm. How much more when you come into his kingdom, now you're one of his own, he will look after you. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, well, I think everyone deep down does know that they are not really good. They're not truly good because yes. they do things wrong. Yes. They do things in secret that maybe no one knows about. But exactly. in their, even if it's thoughts they have or yes. actions they've taken when they thought no one was looking, mm-hmm. they know they've done wrong. Yes. And that comes from the sin nature that it we've does. talked about. Yes. And, you know, people can deceive themselves and maybe through comparing with someone who seems worse or yeah, exactly. whatever it is <laughs> and try and convince themselves that, no, they're good mm. because occasionally they give some money to charity or something. Yes. But they need to be saved. They need to be we saved. We all need to be saved. You know, no matter how good. Now, all you have to do is look at the Pharisees. I mean, on the outside, they seemed the perfect people. They knew the right prayers. They knew the right times things were supposed to happen. But inside, Jesus actually described them as, you know, full of dead men's bones, like your whitewashed tombs. You know, on the outside, you kind of look good. So it's not even things we humans look on the outside all the time. We often judge something just by the way it looks and sounds, and we're completely deceived about what could be behind This is why governments are so good at deceiving people. All they have to do is say a few words of nice things, or not even just governments, churches, there are places, you know, that you will, organizations and things, they will give you what you want to hear. But you never see what's going on behind, unless God reveals it to you. Now, when you, um, so these Pharisees, they will say all these things, but what was inside them? Hatred. They would rather a person dies than Jesus minister to that person and heal them on the Sabbath. Who does that? You know, when you look at it, you think that's ridiculous. But this happens today in a different way. People would rather ignore the truth and, you know, just to save face or to look good. Oh, well, we believe this and we are obeying this law. And therefore, if that means you're going to be sacrificed, it's a good sacrifice to make. Of course, every time they want to make a sacrifice, it's strangely enough, never them. It's always you. See, God's not like that. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so to to make it clear, the way you're saved is by believing. It's only you, by believing. You confess only with your mouth by, that Jesus is Lord. Yes. And believe in your heart. You believe that it. God in raised your, him from the that's dead. it. It's that's as it. simple as that. If you call on the name of Jesus... Now, even if you didn't go through a formal prayer or you didn't say, oh, yes, I believe. It's helpful to say that because you're solidifying. But even if it was just a heart's cry, Jesus, help me. Immediately, he's there to help. If you will accept, he's there to help you. That's all you need to do to be saved, to receive Jesus. Say, I Mm. want Jesus. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because this whole idea that your good deeds have outweighed your bad ones or things like that, what people need to understand, and this is made clear in James 2.10, which says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Exactly. So you can have kept the law a lot more than somebody else, but if you've broken one part of it, you're guilty and yeah. you, you need to be saved the same way as everyone else. The same way as everyone else. Because you know what? One of the things that we don't understand is that, you know, to God, sin is sin. It's always a, a, a failing to reach a certain standard. Failing to hit the mark. You know, and so you could put it like this. I mean, I remember back in the day when we were wanting to come to England and some of my friends, we didn't have money and all that. And my friend said, oh, she's going to swim across the Atlantic. (laughs) And it was a joke. But then we started talking about, you know, come to think of it. It doesn't matter how good a swimmer you are and how bad I am. I might only go a quarter of a mile and I'm done. You may be able to go 10 miles. But will you reach? Will any of us reach? 
No, the end results will be the same. And we had an expression, we used to say, you know, all die, be die. In other words, if something horrible is going to happen to you, whichever way it comes, the end result is going to be death. You understand? So basically, everybody has sinned and fallen short. You can't buy good deeds. You can't, you can try, you can swim faster. I'm sure if I tried to race you in the pool, Christian, you will completely floor me. But if it's an endless ocean, mm. no matter how strong you are, your athletics is not going to save you. Your medals you won will not save you. No trophy is going to say, okay, you're going to make it to the other side of the Atlantic just swimming. Mm. And this is what people don't understand, that it's not about, I, I've, I haven't done as many sins as you. No, the fact is sin actually has wages. You know, the Bible talks about it in um, Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the, the, now, the, I just want to explain this because... Sin has wages attached to it. Now, what are wages? When you work for somebody, they pay you your wages. It's owed to you. You understand? It's not a gift. When If I work 10 hours, I expect 10 hours pay. My, my boss can't give me 10 hours pay and say, oh, I, you know, I'm just giving you a nice gift there. No, I worked for it. It's owed me. It's due me. You see, and in that same way, sin produces something that is owed to you. This is why in the Old Testament, many times you would hear them talk about, and the Lord did this and the Lord did, did that. The Lord was that judgment side of God that said, the wages are due. Your wages will come due. So for example, I mean, we will get into that later, into big sins, small sins, this and that, but the wages are always due. Yeah. And in order to not be paid by <laughs> the wages of sin, yeah. you circumvent that completely, remove that permanently by coming in Christ, because Christ dealt with that once and for all. He took that way, those wages. You don't have to have them at all. Mm. Yeah. So you, you can't work for something and receive it as a gift at the same time. No. It has to be one or the other. Exactly. Yeah. So I think another one that seals this another scripture that is, is Ephesians 2, 8, mm -hmm. which says, for by grace, you have been saved mm -hmm. through faith. That's right. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Yeah. So salvation is a gift, salvation which you receive gift. by faith. Mm -hmm. You believe in what Jesus has done. And that's yes. it. And um, it was that uh, Ephesians 2, 8. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you notice something. He says that by grace and through faith. You see, grace is God's part. Grace actually existed before you did. Grace has always existed. Grace is a person. Now, grace is not getting what you deserve, which yep. is sin. Remember the wages of sin? You deserve something. You have done something. You've earned it. This is not, oh, well, I just, you actually earn this thing. But now, grace that has always existed before you says, no, I do not want her receiving these wages. They're horrible. I will take these wages instead, and I'm going to replace that <laughs> with a free gift of righteousness, of mm. goodness, of mm. mercy. So your sins are completely eradicated, no longer is, exist. You become a new person that old person no longer there anymore so this is how god saves us gives us a, a new lease of life completely new cre creation mm. in christ jesus yeah that's awesome so let's get into this aspect of sin then specifically because mm -hmm. you know other words that we hear are forgiveness of sin remission of sin yes and things like that so First of all, what is sin? Like, how do we, can we define that? Well, I would define sin. The ultimate sin is just the rejection of God or the rejection of, of Jesus. And when you reject goodness, when you reject your creator, what's left? 
You see, people think, well, I have a choice and I can... Well, you do have a choice. But they think, why can't I live how I like and somehow have the benefits also? The two don't work together. There's only one way. The creator... It's like you inventing something. Now, you know how that thing you invented works best. You know what will damage it. You know what will, you know, you buy something, it will come with some instructions. It will tell you, for example, make sure it doesn't go in water, don't put it near fire, don't do this, blah, 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 and uh, keep it like this, this is how you maintain it, this is how you do this. Imagine if you bought a car and then the first thing, they said don't put water in instead of petrol. Well, I know better, you know, I can do what I like. Uh, it's my choice, yes, it's your choice. But you try putting the water there, try putting the sand in there, try and put it in the water, whatever it is, foolish thing that you've come up with that you think is better. Somebody gave a manual because they knew they, at every stage, uh, put this thing together, knows exactly how it's going to work and what it is that can destroy it. And so they're telling you that you cannot say, well, I will do anything I like, because if you destroy it, that's on you. You can't go back to the manufacturer or the inventor to say, well, I think that's unfair. It's fair. You chose to do that to it. And so you have to live with it or, or die with it, as the case may be. Yeah. So I think there's another way to look at it is two aspects of sin. One is the sinful nature, mm. which we've talked about. A lot of the times in the New Testament when it mentions sin, it's a noun, not yes. a verb. So it's a it's a thing. That's mm -hmm. the sinful nature. Yes. And from that nature comes sinful actions. Yes. So that's the verb aspect. Mm. And sinful actions are essentially actions which fall short of God's standard. Yes. Or I think the original Greek word is... It's an archery term, which means to miss the mark, miss right? Miss the mark, yeah. You're missing the standard mm -hmm. that God has set for what's right and what's not. Exactly. And if you do that, you've sinned. Mm -hmm. um, another place it talks about how anything not of faith is sin. Yes. So if you're doing something, not believing God, not trusting God. Yes. It's is sin also. Yes. And so those are sinful actions that come from the sinful nature that's right and so with that said what do you think is god's view on sin now does well, he view some sins worse than others how does he view us now in light of sin that's a very interesting um one now as we said before everybody falls under sin by just being born into the world okay all have sinned and come short, right? So that is the first thing. But this is why Jesus came, to take away the sin. So you see, the actual... Uh, let me just deviate a little bit. I'll come back to your question. But I'm just deviating a little to say that the ultimate goal of God was not just to forgive us of sin and remove sin. Mm -hmm. It just... Sin was in the way. He had to get it out of the way. So With what, that, what was the goal? The real goal of God was reconciliation. He wanted us back. I want my son back. My son has been lost. My daughter is lost. I've been searching. I'm searching. And I want, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what I spend. I don't care what I have to do. All I want is my child back. Whatever is in between, I will remove it from there so I can have my child back. So that's it, because we he want we are made like him, and he wanted us to have every benefit of that he has. You know, he wants us to have the same, to live the same. So now, when we talk about um, the way God views sin, anything falling short is a sin, as you just said. Whether it's um, I forgot to do something, and it's it's just the nature of it. Some of it is willful, and some of it. It's not necessarily willful. It's just because wrong thinking, you know, wrong attitudes and so on. So all of it is the same. That's why there was one sacrifice to cover all. He didn't say, well, uh, let's Jesus die a little bit over here 
Uh, that's for the lying bit. And uh, let's stab him over there with that. Uh, that's for the murder bit and, and this and that. No, it was, he went through agony for the entire thing because all of it produces death. Mm. All of it. Okay. So from God's side, yes, all sin is sin. <laughs> it's all one. Like a noun, as you said, is yeah. sin. However, you also see uh, Jesus actually referring to some sins that are worse than others. And I think the reason for this is because, you see, sin, it has different consequences. Mm -hmm. Okay, you might tell a lie and you might get away with it. You might never be found out. It might be that it was only God that knew. And really the damage is you and your own conscience. Because the more you follow something like that, obviously you will harden yourself. And you eventually get consequences from it. But there are other things that the consequences are immediate. They are devastating straight away. Like somebody commits a murder instantly. There's a horrible impact. You might have destroyed not just him, but his entire family, your own family. The consequences are dire. Now, I just want to look at um, some things that happened in, in the Old Testament and how... Um, God, they spoke about sin. You know, God has, um, just one moment, because sin is a spiritual law. Yes, I was just saying here that some manifest quicker. We think that all of sin is, is the same, but really there are some that are worse violations mm -hmm. of God's law. Okay, so that's why you can find, say, a seemingly holy person or somebody who appears to be clean cut does the right thing on mm. the surface but his heart is full of wickedness right wickedness and then you see in the old testament how they um they would actually categorize sin you know in exodus i think it's exodus 20 he talks about say if somebody stole something they were made to pay it back if it was an ox or something, it was three, four times more. If it was, they stole something else, sometimes double and so on. Different things. When it came to things like, say, adultery, then the consequences shifted mm -hmm. to you were put to death, you were stoned to death if you were in the occult and so on. Because of the consequences that that would bring, it had to be dealt with brutally and cut off right there so as not to spread it. Now, in this day and age, you don't see that because Jesus has come. We are living in a different dispensation. It means that the possibility is there for people to be saved. Mm -hmm. So rather than brutally cutting off things to save the human race, now there's another way they can be saved. So God is long-suffering. He forbears very long because he's hoping you will hear the gospel, you will hear the truth, and you will tend to him. So I will say that I'm, I'm just looking for examples of um, other times when Jesus spoke about greater sin and so on. Yeah, there was one thing he said about certain cities he went to where he preached the gospel and they rejected it. So and he said... <laughs> Capernaum. It was, it was yeah. in Matthew, actually, in Matthew 11, mm -hmm. uh, 20. Let's look at it because you'll see what um, he said. Matthew uh, chapter 11 and verse 23. Let's start from verse 23. Is, this is what Jesus said. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Then in 24, he says, But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Mm. And what Jesus is talking about is the consequences for you will be worse because you knew more. You understood more, but you refused and so you're going to face this on the day of judgment. Like I told you before, the wages, remember you are owed this. And so you will collect all of it. Nothing will be missing. 
This is what people don't understand. You will actually collect all you've worked hard for. If you've been working hard at saying the day comes when your cup is full, they say this is you're reaping this now. Okay, now look at this also in Luke 12, um, Luke 12, and then verse 48, actually from verse 47. So Luke 12 from 47, you see what, again, Jesus says, and that servant who knew his master's will, this is what I'm getting at, what you know, who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself and do or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. Now, so everybody is going to be beaten. According to this, if you are in this category of sin, right. you're going to get the beats. You get beat. Some get beat more, some get beat less, but everybody gets beat. Mm. Now, it's a bit like living in some sort of, um, you know, horrible place, some totalitarian place, whatever it is. Everybody is suffering. You know, my suffering might be slightly less than yours, but the pain is being felt by all. Okay? Right. Yeah. So, he's saying these are the consequences that you're going to, to get. So, is it, is it right to see it in this way? That there's a baseline for salvation, which we've talked about, mm. which you believe and you receive it or you reject it and you don't receive it. Now, everyone is saved in the same way. Yes. Your level of sin is irrelevant to that. It's you irrelevant. believe or you don't. Exactly. But once, for those who are saved, there's different levels of rewards after that. Yes. Right? Yes. And so likewise, for those who are not saved, there's different levels of punishment below that. Yeah. Is that right? That's exactly okay. it, in a nutshell. Mm. You know, I, I often say this to people. Whoever your master is will come for you. Who is your master? Who is your Lord? Who is it? Jesus? Is it a savior? See, Jesus is a savior, saving you from what? Consequences of sin, wrongdoing, whatever your condition, he's able to save you to the uttermost. So you don't have to collect any of that reward. <laughs> no, when I say reward, wages, I should say wages. But then he rewards you instead with good things. So yes, there are differences in rewards according to what you've been, you've understood and gone with and again we don't judge it by human standards because you know you might look at some great evangelist or world stage person and think oh imagine the rewards they'll get and then you might think about the woman old lady making teas and coffees in church somewhere nobody knows about her and think oh she's probably not anybody in the kingdom you know god doesn't see things like that he looks at it quite differently it's according to what you were called to do what you understood and how faithful you were to that call mm -hmm. so it could be a minor thing that in the world thinks but you were faithful in that thing you know the person who was out there you, we've heard of some men of god they seem to be all out there and then we found out a lot of it was all this show pizzazz this and that and the heart was not even right they're not going to get the rewards. They mm. forfeited that. It's to do with your heart condition, right. mm. you see, and being genuine in following what you understand. If you do what you do understand, you don't have to understand everything. But if you start with where you know and you understand, you don't have to worry about what you don't know or don't understand. Mm. God will show you what you need to know because you're following him, mm. you see. Mm. Now, when I mentioned there being different levels of reward and punishment, I'm talking specifically about after we die, right? Yes. And stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Mm. As to here on earth, are people punished for sin by God now? No. Nobody is punished for sin. Why? First of all, just take a look around. Lots of people who are alive today who, if they were going to be punished for sin, they wouldn't be. They are there. Mm -hmm. The reason is 
we're living in a dispensation of grace. Jesus has come and paid the full price for every body sin, every human being, every human. And so they are not getting punishment for sin. The wages are not coming yet. They are being delayed. Mm. Delayed because grace is speaking. Grace is trying to stop you from reaping what you have been sowing. Grace is giving you what you don't deserve. Grace is calling out to you, hoping that you will turn. Grace is giving you a long time to repent even. However, there are still consequences for sin. Mm-hmm. Not, pun- I wouldn't say punishment, but consequences, results. Right. Okay? And I'll give you an example. Like I said before, there are some things that you see instant results. Say if you're drunk and you have a some powerful car and you just, you know, go all over the place, there will be a result. The result could be you dying or you killing other people who didn't, they, they were even innocent. Okay? You can cause chaos, devastation, complete, you know, pain because you made that choice. So, but you will, you can get the consequences for your sin depends on how much of it you've done, whether, you know, I don't know how it's measured, but I know that there will, there comes a time when the cup is full and it begins to tip over. It begins to tip over and you begin to get things happening. You don't want happening. So like what kind of things would happen? Like sickness, disease, tragedy, things like that. And those things, it's not necessarily that the person even experiencing them did them. It could be going back even. People have made certain choices over and over again. Now, each individual has has the opportunity to make the right choice, regardless of family, regardless of background, regardless of race, tribe, gender, all the rest of that as an individual. And therefore, if an individual says, you know what, I don't like what happened in my family, or when I look back, I'm not keen on some of the things they went through, they can make a choice and say, I want Jesus in my life. And what happens then? The blood of Jesus completely removes all traces of sin, sickness, disease. These are things that can be completely erased because now you have the DNA of Christ. Therefore, you can stand in on those what Jesus said and you can enforce the law of life. You can enforce it. You can say no. Okay. But there are consequences if people are ignorant, for example. They may be saved and they may love God. But again, if you're ignorant of your rights as a citizen of heaven, you're ignorant of your rights as to your true identity. You are the king's son, daughter of the king. You don't know it. You're living like a pauper. You're living, you you can be sick. You can even die prematurely because you didn't know. That's why the Bible talks about my people perish because of ignorance. They don't know what's, what they have, mm. what their right is, what they're entitled to. And so they do without it. Mm. Or they may be, oh, well, we get saved, but we don't believe in any of these other things. You know, there are churches today that will tell you we don't believe in healing, we don't believe in prosperity, we don't believe in uh, being free from mental health or anything. They they think you're just meant to endure it until the end. Mm. They haven't understood that it's included in the cross. It was all included. And once you know it, if you believe it, you will see it. See, in the Bible, you've got to believe it first. Mm. And then you see it. The, the world will say seeing is believing. But in the word, believing is seeing. Mm, Yeah. So what if there's a person, I mean, we talked about the level of knowledge being a factor uh, before. If there's a person, let's say they have knowledge, maybe they're a pastor or a quote unquote man of God. And they're living in wickedness, manipulating people, cheating people sexual immorality, whatever it is, would God punish that person on earth? No. 
God will never punish, not in this dispensation of grace, because of Jesus. Because Jesus has already Jesus taken the punishment. Jesus has taken the sin. full mm. punishment, regardless of how vile that sin was, whatever the act was, whatever it is, he took it. Okay, so he's not going to punish anyone else. Because if he's going to punish you, then why did he punish Jesus already for that? He's already done it. Okay, mm. already done. That's not an issue with God at all. Sin is actually not an issue with God. However, if you refuse to accept the, the, the benefits of being free from sin and walking after him, you, you forfeit some of the things that you might have avoided. Say, let's say if there's a minister doing something like that. You know, it, probably the first few times, nothing is going to happen. It may, he may even go years. And in all that time, the Holy Spirit would probably be dealing with him and trying to get him to turn around and turn away from that. Why is God even bothering? Because he can see the consequences coming. You see, that law in the Old Testament where the consequences come has not changed. It will come if you don't stop. And so he's trying to save you from that. And there's a solution in our, our, our dispensation that Jesus is the solution. You can turn away and say, this is what repenting really is. It's not about groveling and crying and sniveling to look like you're sorry. No, it's really in your heart saying, you know, I don't like the results I'm getting from this. I don't like the, the, this, the way this is going. I turn from it. I'm turning to God. God, what do you have to say about A, B, or C? Mm -hmm. And I will follow that. Right? So that's it. The, you know, God doesn't punish people for mm -hmm. sin. The punishment went on Jesus. 